From SoftChoice, this is The Catalyst, the podcast that is shining a light on the human side of IT and reframing our relationship to technology. I'm your host, Erica Van Nord. At some point this year, many of us were forced to cancel our travel plans. Whether it be a long-awaited vacation, maybe a destination wedding, or an overdue visit to family living abroad. For me, I had a couple of great trips planned. I was going to be in Buenos Aires enjoying some amazing steak and the local culture. And I had a trip to Tuscany booked that was going to happen in early July. Oh, to dream about the food. It's hard to imagine an industry hit harder by the global pandemic than the travel and tourism sector. Airports are ghost towns, flights canceled left and right, and even the travel blogger has had to totally rethink what exactly it is that they're influencing. The question on everyone's mind is, what's in store for the future of the travel industry? What will travel look like after all of this? On today's show, I'm joined by Derek Marshall, Chief Technology Officer at TripStack, a platform for end-to-end travel planning. TripStack develops airline route combination analysis and price point software for the travel industry. In layman's terms, they're keeping the travel sector up-to-date and efficient through technology and data. Derek joins me to discuss the future of the industry and how technology is at the forefront of getting travel back off the ground after a complete shutdown. Travel has always played a big role in my life, with nearly all of my family being based in the UK. I dug up some fellow travel enthusiasts from the Soft Choice team to collect our thoughts and grieve the loss of favorite pastimes and planned future trips together. We actually planned our wedding and we had plans for destination wedding. This is Elmir, Senior Manager of Microsoft Programs here at SoftChoice. Come February, we're thinking, okay, everything is great. We are looking moving forward with a lot of vendors. Everything is just as smooth as it can be with wedding planning. About March time, pandemic is now starting to become real. We stopped travel. It got worse and worse. The news that we kept hearing just wasn't giving us any confidence. And then we finally had to make a decision about mid-April that uh, we wanted to cancel our wedding because 90% of our guests had to travel. Yes, similarly, my travel plans was my honeymoon. This is Michelle, talent advisor for campus and territory sales. And uh, where does that trip sit now? It sits in the near future. Like, I feel like I can grab it. Um, and that was Hawaii. But I'd say that my my honeymoon is an arm's reach. <laughs> you develop a new appreciation for the experiences you were able to have pre-pandemic. This is Michael, digital marketing manager. I was fortunate enough to do a destination wedding just three years ago with my wife in the Dominican. Just last year, we went on a trip with our eight-month-old to Spain and Portugal. So once the pandemic hit, you know, you really realize how lucky you were to have those. And and obviously, once we get through this, sort of the pent-up demand to travel again hits, you know, we'll all have a, you know, a newfound appreciation for it, for sure. So how have you been soothing the travel bug this year? We're, we're in Toronto and we're close to the, the middle of the city, so just a, a few minutes north of the financial district. This is Justin, Director of Brand and Communications. And I've actually, you know, having younger kids discovered there's 
there's so much to do in our own backyard. Um, My six-year-old son uh, is really an enthusiastic bike rider, so we've been out on the the trails in the Don Valley in, in, in Toronto, and there's you know, often we, you know, we have this urge to travel, whether it's across the country or across the world, and we we neglect to explore and look at the beauty in our own backyards. Yeah, I have a two-year-old son. You, you really uh, develop a new appreciation for the parks in your neighborhood. Uh, lots of walks around uh, where you live. I think people are starting to discover that there's a lot that their own backyard offers, and traveling within, you know, your own neck of the woods can be just as fulfilling as traveling across the ocean. So this pandemic has has caused us to like really develop a new appreciation for a lot of things. Given all the uncertainty these days, I think people aren't willing to book a trip unless it has a flexible cancellation policy. So would you book a summer vacation for next year right now? Or would you book a vacation, say, three months from now? I mean, sure. If if the if the cancellation policy was was flexible, then I probably would. I'm kind of waiting for some companies to come through with some really cool new policies as it relates to whether it's cancellations, whether it's just flexibility. I know some organizations currently have a certain amount of money down, and then 90 days before when your trip is supposed to start, you have to pay the rest. I'm really interested to see how the travel industry flexes. And I think as they flex, then I would flex. But safety is kind of number one thing I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Michelle, because when I think about it, I booked a trip just a couple of uh, days ago to British Columbia uh, to see my folks and everything's all booked. And then the next day at six o'clock, BC announces a two week lockdown in the areas that I was going to be going to. So it's just, it's really that flexibility is so important. So let's talk about the future. So if you had a crystal ball, what do you see for the travel industry five years from now? Other than Elon Musk potentially taking us to space, I mean, I I don't know if the pandemic is raging up there. I just think about if you ever have taken a long haul flight, you get on the plane, uh, regardless what class you're in, you have some sort of like little pouch that's branded and inside you've got like toothpaste and socks. And I just anticipate some hand sanitizer in there, um, a face mask, and then not a vaccine, but some sort of, you know, like drug, Tylenol, cold and flu. I just, I foresee a lot of partnerships happening in order for people to feel really safe about travel. Yeah, my, my hope is that we actually, like the airline industry and the travel industry takes a look at, like, especially like the airline industry, how they can be more passenger focused in, in the experience. You know, after, for example, like 9-11, there was a lot of big shift and changes in security, but it wasn't really focused on passenger experience. It was focused, how can we make sure that our airports are most secure? I do think pandemic is going to shift that focus a bit on what does the passenger experience look like? Like, for example, do we need to sit in queue to board an airplane or is there some way to, as you walk up, you can board a plane because you already got checked in and maybe the security lines won't be as long because there's going to be different methods to address those issues and still keep everybody secure and and safe. All right. So one last question for you all. So once the pandemic's over, we have a proven vaccine. Where are you going? It has to be the honeymoon for me. Yeah. For um, my wife and I, we have a second uh, child on the way. Um, It'll probably be another year or so before we're really itching to travel with uh, two kids. But uh, anywhere with a beach, we haven't done Hawaii yet. So 
seems like a good place to go with the family. So we'll probably look to Hawaii in a few years. Let's all go to Hawaii. Yeah. (laughs) And think of the great stories you'll have for your child about when they were conceived in the pandemic. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) TMI, Erica, TMI. How are the travel bloggers hanging in? We sent our show producer, Katie, to talk to one. I'm Christopher Mitchell. I'm a travel content creator, and I run a number of different travel websites, uh, a couple of podcasts, and a few different communities. At the beginning, I was noticing that people were probably still, you know, holding out or, or setting aside money for that larger vacation for when this, you know, quote unquote, all blew over. And then I think slowly but surely the realization that this is something more long term um, has begun to set in. In light of that, people are realizing that they really they don't want to just um, sit still and, and sulk, to be honest. They, the best thing to do is to, you know, sort of see uh, familiar places with new eyes. And so that's kind of the biggest thing I've seen. You know, Airbnb gets put on blast online or what have you, and they sort of have to respond. And then they unfurl a policy, which is a little kinder. I mean, this is what the airlines did too, right? They completely snubbed everybody until people rose up together. The time um, when it was a sort of a one-way street where corporations could inform people of their decisions and then it was just sort of duly accepted is over Um, because consumers have so much choice. Of course, they're going to prioritize places where they feel like they're valued. And so the relationship between consumer and corporation and travel, it kind of has to be reciprocal. The pandemic ruined travel plans for thousands of people. The airlines are taking a big financial hit, but so are many of you. We've got hundreds of emails with the same message. I want my money back. I've seen a fair bit of innovation that I'm appreciating Marriott. I mean, they have a lot of empty space right now. I think they just launched a campaign around day passes, stay passes, and play passes, where it's like you can get a pass to go and literally work in a hotel room all day just to get out of your house. You can add to that so you could spend the night and enjoy their amenities. I think that flexibility is going to be crucial. And I think it's also about recognizing that people, brands, whatever, um, we are all multidimensional. So what you have been doing for the last while doesn't necessitate what you can do or will be doing. People don't try and start new initiatives or companies don't try and start new initiatives. You know, they're going to go the way of the dinosaurs and that's the reality. So take some chances right now because sure, I mean, it's a difficult time. A lot of things have been scorched to the ground in some regards, but like some of the biggest corporations or some of the most trend-setting and genius corporations, impactful corporations that we have. A lot of them, a lot of them are created, you know, after the Great Depression and after huge dips, shaky ground, a, a lot of amazing ideas and things come out of that. So people who go through struggle and strife, companies, people, whatever, you get an unusual clarity about things. And I think people are going to carry that with them. People are talking about like, they're not going to put off that trip anymore. The trip that they've been waiting to go on for five years, when the time is right, they're going to take that trip now. I just have a feeling that when things open back up again, there's going to be a sort of like a travel revival, like we probably won't have seen 
ever before. It's going to have to be responsible. You know, maybe we're maybe we're arriving in countries and we get our temperature taken now. There's going to be certain things that are in effect, but I know that I'll never take a trip for granted again. And um, I just have to imagine that when those doors open, there's going to be a lot of people rushing through them, uh, which. I'm, you know, I, I'm excited about for a personal and professional level because uh, hopefully I can guide people through those doors with my content. In just a few months, it'll already be a year since the travel industry was completely shut down. Tech leaders since have been leading the charge in trying to get travelers back off the ground. But is it up to tech to save the travel and hospitality industries? Derek Marshall is the Chief Technology Officer at TripStack, a leading platform that provides companies throughout the travel industry with airline route combination analysis and price points software. He joins me now to discuss the travel sector and what's in store for the industry in order to stay relevant, efficient, and safe. Thanks for joining me, Derek. Hey, thanks for having me. I'd love to start with you telling me a little bit about your journey as an IT leader and how it is that you came into the travel space. I guess everyone probably thinks they have a, uh, a strange path to success and started working in computer graphics early on as a, as a bit of a side hustle and that kind of snowballed into uh, working in, uh, in, at the time, what was called new media. And then I, I got into working in uh, some startups because I really do enjoy building things and, and, and problem solving. And the, as I was coming out of uh, uh, one project, uh, I got a call from Flight Network and, uh, tr- you know, trying to grow uh, into European mar- markets and Latin America and needed some help uh, scaling things out. And that was, you know, at the time I thought, well, how hard could it be to learn travel? Every day I still learn something new because it's a dynamic and uh, complex industry. And then Especially uh, now, one of the most affected immediately uh, with the uh, pandemic, so it's uh, created a lot of a lot of good problems to try and solve. Yeah, I was going to say, like you mentioned, you like building things and problem solving. So the pandemic's sort of the perfect stage for that for you. So let me ask you. I mean, you know, knowing the pandemic hitting in March, um, it was a bit of a shock to the system for many people. I'm sure, including yourselves. Can you maybe describe what that moment was like for you and how you've really kept trekking forward? I'll say it was mostly disbelief uh, at first. You know, I know, I, I know, I really kind of hit in March and here in Canada, but as a global business, we kind of saw the the problems coming a bit earlier. So we saw uh, business start to falter in uh, in the Asia markets. And I remember my wife saying to me, oh, they should just ground all the flights. <laughs> and I said, I'm pretty sure. I don't think that'll be possible because the economic impacts would just be unimaginable. Yet here we are. And I guess what's kind of kept me uh, trekking forward has been the team. You know, I'm lucky to be working with a, uh, a lot of long-time travel professionals who are very committed to the customers and the product we're building. You know, we, we had to do a lot of pivoting very quickly. Uh, we had to get our entire India call center operations able to work within, uh, you know, very short notice uh, from their homes. So I'm curious um, about TripStack and the work that you and your team are doing around big data and artificial intelligence, AI. 
So just wondering how your company is working in the travel space today and what tech solutions you've created. Normally, I do this with a whiteboard. I, I, I find that it's, it's hard to explain this stuff without falling into a lot of jargon. So, so our platform and the solution we created is is really twofold. So we have a, a huge database of flights, every flight that's scheduled by every airline for the next 365 days. So we call that our EFO platform, every flight on earth. Under normal circumstances, that's a, that's a very tall order. We spend a lot of time just trying to acquire that flight uh, information. Once you have the power of kind of a database where you can understand, hey, here's all the flight possibilities, you can do uh, some uh, more interesting things. What we what we do is then uh, we'll, we take on the supporting customers uh, in terms of schedule changes and anything else that might happen. So these are unique ways to get from to get to your destination and back. So we have a whole team that's dedicated to the data science uh, around that, the algorithms, finding those unique uh, and cheaper fares. And in some cases, you can save hundreds of dollars. I love the the every flight everywhere. And, and then you sort of take all of that data and you're sort of meshing it all together and then constantly reworking the analytics so that you're able to um, get to that best possible option for a customer. What technology solutions have you witnessed coming to fruition this year that might have been on or not on your roadmap? And do you see them sticking around for good? So for, for me, the most obvious technology that's kind of come into its own during all of this is, uh, you know, zooming. <laughs> Because it's kind of funny that there's a, you know, it turned into a verb. As soon as you turn it into a verb, you've made it. But what's been nice is that there's been such a mad rush to uh, improve the, the experience and it, and it's helped improve the, that connectedness with working with our teams uh, remotely. The call center is the front line with the customer and you have to think of like thousands upon thousands of flights all canceled and all those customers wanting updates on their uh, refunds. I, I even, you know, personally had to talk to people who were like trying to get their uh, children on flights back from, uh, from wherever they had traveled for school. Yeah. So the, the, the main IT challenge is, is trying to have all of, all of those people, and again, and it, it kind of hit very quickly when it was uh, like we'd, we'd been able to prepare a little bit that a lot of the workforce would be going remote. Uh, not e- not everyone was really well equipped to have a computer set up at their house, so we had to do a uh, we had to get some uh, new uh, solutions in place to help around the, the security. And we had to make sure that people could even have internet. Right. So it strained a lot of our VoIP solutions or VPN. We had upgraded before uh, with soft choices uh, help to uh, uh, some Cisco uh, solutions with the Meraki, which I call the mir- miraculous Meraki. It, may, it actually paid off uh, quite well to have that infrastructure in place. With everything we're hearing about that's changing, what are your customers asking you for or what changes do you anticipate they are going to drive you towards in order to better support them? So our customers are the online travel agencies who are mainly interested in trying to get their booking volumes back. 
what we're seeing is a platform that's providing uh, the ability to search and and book flights. So we're an aggregator of uh, content. It's heavily dependent right now on which markets are most open for travel. And we've had to adjust how our product works so that it's less focused on that long haul journey I was uh, mentioning and more on short haul or like same country travel. So that's why, so it's, so they're asking for, for our help to refocus uh, some of the algorithms and, and technology around that kind of short haul. We're seeing a lot of searching. So people are doing exploratory searches like four or five, six months from now to see what the pricing is, but the bookings are all happening in the, sh- in the short term. Well, it sort of plays into the unknown, right, of the future, which is to say, I don't want to commit too far out because I'm not sure what it's going to be like and if it's going to be safe in two or three months. So today, travel businesses need to be on government travel advisories, and there's new requirements for tech and travel companies to be even more transparent with regards to cancellation penalties, refund processes, trip insurance. Furthermore, according to a survey by Booking.com, 46% of those surveyed considered refundable accommodation a must-have for their next trip. So how have you seen the industry changing its policies and, and adapting to that flexibility? Yeah, so customer experience is key. So just to look under the hood a little bit, uh, there's a lot of standards that help connect what a traveler would view as a, as a, and would want to view as a single experience and journey is actually connected by a lot of different systems and standards. Very hard to make all of that seamless or adjust it. Schedule changes communicating those schedule changes between different providers and ultimately to the customer is hard to do given the current standards and the current standards go back to like the sixties. It's, it's crazy. Even the, uh, most of the flight tickets get booked using a green screen tool. And that language is so cryptic. It's called cryptic. So all these people trying to adapt to, we need to do, you know, this new kind of refund and this kind of new, uh, uh, fair class and rule is really hard to jam into that system. Just the industry as a whole, I think has struggles to still respond because they have so much legacy. It's a great point. I'm always amazed if I'm standing at the gate trying to change a ticket, how many keystrokes are involved from the agent where I could literally go on my phone and in sort of like five or six clicks on my phone, be able to change the ticket that it feels as though they're rewriting the software. (laughs) Most travel agents are computer programmers and don't realize it. Yeah, no. And when I think of the travel industry, I always think of fine print, right? Read the fine print. I think we're going to see a lot of evolution towards being more customer friendly, allowing for changes. We're seeing it with a lot of the major airlines already. And I just think it's a long time coming. So, um, you know, they always say uh, crisis drives innovation. So... So in reading the tea leaves in big data solutions and travel, uh, what trends have you noticed and what do you expect for the future of the industry? Well, the, the thing we're looking at now is that travelers are, are increasingly concerned about their carbon footprint. And rail is kind of one of those modes of transportation that's, I love trains. Travelers, especially like getting around Europe and if you had to catch a flight out of Montreal, maybe you might want to take the train instead to get to Montreal from Toronto. 
So we're now trying to augment our, that virtual interline product to also consider uh, extensions with rail. That brings a whole other level of sophistication uh, and requirements to our cache and the algorithms to uh, connect at different airports. Eventually, well, you know, I see the uh, need to also connect things like even uh, Up Express, like that short haul uh, connections uh, for the for the traveler. No, it's I, it's fascinating because you're you're applying science and algorithms around how do you predict for all of the unpredictables. What have you learned about yourself in leading through these turbulent times? I would say that I always thought of myself as uh, resilient. I always thought I had a higher stress tolerance, and that you know, and, and through different uh, challenging projects over the years and and situations, uh, you you know, I always thought, well, okay, I guess I guess that's a, a trait. But this has been, I would say, more exceptional. We've had. A lot of the a lot of team members being in different challenging circumstances really kind of uh, you know every day has been uh, a challenge and it's such a marathon to keep that going and 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 then feeling as well the uh, the need to support so many people uh, uh, on the team has been uh, uh, has really tested that assumption about my own character. Well, thank you. I so appreciate uh, you spending time with us today. It's been great to understand a little bit more about uh, you, your business, and how you've been uh, managing and leading through these times. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Erica. It's interesting. My annual trip to the UK would be in a few weeks, and uh, it's not happening this year. I will book a trip to the UK later for next year. Seeing family and, and seeing my friends is really important and there's nothing like rolling up at a pub after a, a fun day with your friends and family to, to really celebrate. Travel has been one of the holdout industries for fine print and conditions and it's really been completely turned upside down. And I think it's time for travel to reinvent the idea of the passenger moving into the driver's seat is really empowering. And I, for one, am looking forward to a new ride and maybe a new seat. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Please rate, or better yet, review the podcast on your listening platform of choice and let us know what you think. Another great way to support the show is to share the podcast with your friends and coworkers. Post our latest episode on your Teams or Slack channels. We want you to continue these important conversations. I'm Erica Van Nort. See you in two weeks for another episode of The Catalyst.